This is your story. This is my story. But most of all, this is God's story. Everyone loves a good story. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. All of you gathered here this morning and joining us through uh, our cable or through the uh, internet, we have the privilege of having a story to read. And most folks love a good story, especially when a story comes to life. Some of you may be familiar with the movies Night at the Museum, in which precisely that happens. In their imaginative way, the creators of these movies have uh, made a night watchman who's uh, walking through the museum realize that all the characters, the statues, the sculptures, the wax figures, all come to life at night from ancient history to more recent, and they interact with each other. In a sense, they kind of play out history amongst themselves. It's fascinating to watch, and I would think uh, for many it would be kind of neat to think that that could happen, to make history like that come to life. That's kind of what the goal of a good teacher is, isn't it? To make history, or any subject for that matter, come to life. Well, for our purposes today, it's the story, or more particularly, chapter 14 of the story. For those of you who may not be familiar with what I'm referring to when I say the story, St. Lawrence has uh, engaged since the, the fall of inviting all of our members and in our community as well to read the story, which is an abridged chronological version of the Bible. And as we've been doing that, many have been meeting in small groups or watching these, these videos that give us a review. And as we've done that, we're at that point in the story now. After David, the uh, great king, sinner but yet forgiven by God, who had been blessed and had taken the nation of Israel to perhaps its highest point in history. And his son Solomon, who became the wisest and wealthiest person, perhaps of all time. Everything was going well, the golden age of Israel. But now comes the chapter entitled, A Kingdom Torn in Two. Solomon started strong, but his sinful nature which led him into idolatry and disobeying God, angered the Lord such that one of the consequences would be that the kingdom would be divided. And that's what happened. In the days of his son Rehoboam, a man by the name of Jeroboam, who had been one of Solomon's cabinet, became powerful and people went after him because Rehoboam was raising the taxes and, and not letting up on the people. And, um, and then there were assassination plots and, and successes and, and there was some um, cunning and deception and idolatry and there was Abijah and Ahijah and Elijah and all the other Juz that you can imagine. And, 
Are you following all this? It's that part of the story that maybe isn't as familiar to us and maybe is harder for us to focus on. Some would even maybe call this section of the story dry. Well, if that's the case, then we really need somebody to bring it to life for us, don't we? And that's why we're thankful that we have the materials that we have through the story and people like a a Randy Frazee that that those of us in small groups have been privileged to be able to hear his explanation and his thoughts and then as a small group to discuss that and help that story to come to life. But the truth be told, it is a more difficult part of the story to follow, less familiar, confusing, unfamiliar names, And maybe most of all, it's kind of discouraging to see those who start out so strong, who have been blessed in so many ways, and yet they turn their backs on the Lord. They follow and fall into traps which seem so obvious to you and me, and it's hard for us to identify. It gets disappointing and even depressing to read. Oh, that the story would come to life for us. We have the privilege of observing today and this week what is known as National Lutheran Schools Week. You may have noticed that the bulletin covers were drawn by some of our students. Maybe many of you received... And pardon my term for it, I don't know what the official name is for it, but I'm calling it a do-job. Little do-job here on some fish line, and be careful, like all fish line, it has a tendency to, well, those of you who fish know what happens to fish line, but there's a cross at the end, and there's some beads, and there are little mirrors, that's what those are, little mirrors that are glued on there, and the reason... Well, the theme for this year's school year has been read the story, reflect God's glory. Reflect God's glory. And that's really the goal of our Lutheran school, not just this year, but every year. To reflect God's glory and to bring the story to life. As I read the accounts of the kings, the disappointments, the tragedies, it's kind of a hypothetical question that I found myself asking. What difference would it have made if those kings like Solomon or Rehoboam, Jeroboam, Omri, Zimri, Abijah, what if they had attended a Lutheran school? Would things have turned out differently? Would history have played out differently? Of course, it's not a question that can be answered. We don't really know much about how they did their education. Did they have schools? Was it all done in the home or what? But I can't help but wonder what impact someone like a Solomon, as he would have been growing up, would have had if it had been continually reminded to him of what God's plan for marriage truly was. That it's one man and one woman 
together for life. And sure, Solomon could have uh, said, but look at my dad. I mean, we've got, you know, there's like five women and there's all these other kids. I wonder if a Lutheran teacher wouldn't have said, you know, I don't know what that's like. That must be very difficult. But you know what? God's plan is always the best plan. Just one man and one woman together for life. I wonder if that message would have stuck with him a little bit more. Or what about Rehoboam, who we're told in the story, consults his advisors of his own age and decides that the best course of action, instead of being lightening things up on the people, would be to really stick it to them, to really bully them around. I wonder what would have happened if he had perhaps shown those tendencies in the fifth grade, for example. But a Lutheran teacher who was concerned about him as a person, certainly, and taken action to, to help discipline him so that he wouldn't engage in that kind of activity, but even more than that, who would have then, in the same way, demonstrated the grace and love of God in his life and to help him understand why it is that we shouldn't bully, that we shouldn't exercise our authority and push people around just because we may be stronger or more powerful than them, who would have pointed out perhaps the suffering Messiah who is prophesied in the scriptures of who would come and suffer for the sake of the people. I wonder if that would have made a difference. I ask those questions because I believe those differences are being made today in our own St. Lawrence School and in Lutheran schools across our state, country, and around the world. Literally tens of thousands of young people every day receive an education, but more than that, have the story of God's salvation come to life. This year, our school is doing that in some intentional ways. That video that we just saw that recapped chapter 14, well, those students who go to St. Lawrence, they had already seen that. Once again, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunts, uncles, your kids are ahead of you. Beginning tomorrow morning, in our all-school devotions over our Channel 99 network, we'll be showing the recap video of what's going to be read this week in chapter 15. And that's one way that we're having our kids come to know the story. Some teachers are using it as part of their religion curriculum and using it as a guiding way to go through and making sure that the, those points of scriptures are covered. I happened to stop in a preschool room the other day, and it happened to be Jesus time, as they may call it. And there, as the kids were gathered on the mats, on the carpet, the teacher was there, and she had that larger, beautifully illustrated children's story book. And she was going through the exact chapter that we've been going through. Written at their level so that they could see the pictures and find out who this Solomon was, and that he was wealthy, and and so on and so forth. You see, it's our goal to have the story come to life. And that's the goal of all Lutheran schools. 
I think it's important to acknowledge and recognize that Lutheran schools, Christian schools, have never intended or wanted to have a monopoly on education. We have wonderful public schools and have had throughout the course of our nation. Schools which have more than adequately prepared young people for their roles in life of leadership in business, government, industry, and so on. And so the question may come, why a Lutheran school? Why do we expend the cost to, in some ways, duplicate the education that takes place in the public sector? Well, the answer in some ways, is very simple. Because there is something that the public schools are not able to do, nor would we want them to do, and that is to teach the faith. And not just one subject of the day, but through the course of the entire experience of being in a place where Christ is the center and foundation of everything that's done. Of being in a place where the faith is shown through, not just in, in reading the words of a particular story, but in how that is lived, and how that is shared, and how we are corrected, and how we grow. What an incredible blessing that we have, and that we continue to have, to provide such an incredible resource for the church and for the world. Lutheran schools, like every school, have the opportunity to make a difference. But it's wonderful when we are able to hear back from students who have gone on to other places in life or in the world in order to experience and contribute to society and then to have them take the opportunity to reflect back. Here's one man who attended a Lutheran school and eventually became a lawyer practicing for a high-powered firm in New York City, writing back to his school. And he says this, Your realized vision at our school of a place where exceptional excellence in education coexists with the nurturing of a childlike faith is a rare legacy. Another man who had gone on to higher learning also had the opportunity to write back to his Lutheran school and say, a lot of your influence has rubbed off on me because I am active with our church youth group and teach in the Sunday school. I now serve as a professor of oncology at the University of Rochester Medical School in New York. Now, not every student who comes through St. Lawrence or a Lutheran school is going to end up to be a lawyer or a doctor, but many do. But every child who has an opportunity to be exposed to and experience what the treasure we have to offer in our schools, we pray, is impacted by that. So that at some point, 
if not every day, they are able to recognize that God's story is their story and that it's at work in their lives. We continue to pray for, support, and do everything that we can to support this type of Lutheran education and the blessing that it is. But the story doesn't get told in a Lutheran school without the storytellers. And here I'm not just talking about those who might read this story. I'm talking about every teacher, educator, administrator, staff, volunteer, who sees it as their goal to communicate God's love in what they do. These are some thoughts written by a principal. After his retirement and reflecting back, a principal who spent his career in Lutheran education, who had to work, had the privilege to work with dozens and dozens and dozens of educators and other professionals. And this is what his reflections are upon those individuals who serve as storytellers in our Lutheran schools. He says, through the years, I've seen them totally committed to their calling. That calling involves transmitting core Christian values to children. We feel the values that we want to project to youngsters are special. They are biblically grounded. We can say, God loves you. He has made you and cares about you. Teachers can witness to their own faith and what it means to them. Those are true blessings to the church and to the world at large. I guess I would put it this way. Those teachers have the opportunity to bring the story to life. And when a story comes to life, when it comes to our life, this story makes a difference. I mentioned, as we read in chapter 14, the heartache that comes, the division, the kingdom divided, the warfare. But through it all, God kept his promise. He kept a remnant of the kingdom faithful so that his promise that it would be through the line of David that a son would one day be born, a savior, a Messiah. God was able to take even their most egregious sins and still work his plan. You see, that too is part of the story in this fallen world. And he does the same with us. May we continue to learn the story. May we continue to grow in the story. And may we continue to live the story as we share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.